Welcome to the Agile Empath Podcast. Whether you're leading, managing, coaching a team, there is a human behavior aspect. We have 20 plus years in the mental health industry and have creative ways to approach situations. We're going to begin with innovative ideas, how to tap into creativity, utilizing empathy. So these are soft skills to tap into our own potential and help others tap into that potential so we can be efficient with agile methodologies. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Agile Empath Podcast, Season 1, Episode 15. We're wrapping up this season with building successful virtual teams. Please like, share, and subscribe. This is a relevant season and we are so glad that you joined us. Hello, my name is Alexia Georgiou. I'm a coach and consultant. I innovate and create with empathetic, agile methodologies. My website is theresilientpathway.com. Contact me, alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com. We have special pandemic coaching packages available. We're also providing consultation services with development and training on Zoom. I look forward to hearing from you. Hello and welcome to our talk today on building successful virtual teams. As we've gone through the pandemic, we've realized that at least part of our world is going to be more virtual than it was previously, if not all. And so whether we're addressing challenges from an in-person or virtual team environment, there are parts of teams that have been studied. How do we build cohesive teams in general? And we've also researched some great information that we're going to be sharing on how to translate that into these new virtual environments. In his book, Patrick Lancini stated, not finance, not strategy, not technology, it's teamwork that remains the ultimate competitive advantage, both because it's so powerful and so rare. Um, I recently met with a consultant and I was learning from the experience that this consultant had working with leaders. And something that he told me is, uh, when he asked the CEO, how do you reward your team? And the answer is, I give the employee of the month a parking spot that's designated for them. Um, his advisement to that CEO is, no, that's not what I'm asking. Um, and that's not my advisement. It's really how are you rewarding the whole team? Because the team is not one person. Um, and rewarding the team means rewarding everyone as one unit. So there is a book that Patrick Lencioni wrote, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It was written back in 2002, 
And these are the five dysfunctions. Inattention to results. And that has to do with our status and ego. Avoidance of accountability. So low standards. Lack of commitment. Being ambiguous about the goals and the process. Fear of conflict. So there's artificial harmony and absence of trust, so a lack of vulnerability. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and the result of social distancing practices, many of us have continued with remote work, acclimating to at least a portion of our meetings remaining virtual. With our new normal continually defining itself, we're needing support to bring cohesion among these teams. So there are surface level challenges, and these may include working with new technology, within various time zones, within a hierarchy, and team members whose first language may differ from the rest of the team. Then there are deeper level challenges, and we're gonna talk about each of these. Um, and these include subgroups of shared identity. So what are we talking about when we're talking about the surface level? Find the right technology. Don't assume that every technology is created equal or that everyone has a similar ease of use. Ask about and take care of any tech-related issues and consider using different platforms for different purposes. So you may have collaboration, brainstorming, scheduling, social water cooler talk, um, and you may want to use different platforms. Being able to see and hear each team member by making audio and video mandatory is vital to addressing deeper level concerns. Now I have been on some conversational Zoom meetings. Um, some coaching Zoom meetings, and the facilitator will set the expectation, we want to be able to see and hear you. And so that is something that is recommended, um, is to let your team know we need to be able to see and hear you. Balance the time zones. When team members are spread out over various time zones, Leaders should think about how to work around this fairly. Regular meetings and check-ins are critical for success, but making the same person or people attend at midnight or 4 a.m. isn't the way to do it. You may need to rotate time to ensure that it's fair for everyone, but be sure to discuss this in advance and check in on how it's going. So as human beings on a team, we like to be treated fairly and we want to be given a voice. And maybe it's an issue, maybe it isn't with the time zones. So I've been in certain meetings where um, I'm in the East Coast and people in the West Coast show up and they say, oh, it's 7 in the morning. Well, it's a comfortable 10 a.m. for me. For them, 7 a.m. may be a little too early to be uh, wide-eyed and alert for a meeting especially a coaching meeting. And so there's an awareness of that. And how can we bring um, a more fair work environment? Talk about it. You know, should we have a 10 a.m. Pacific 
and 1 p.m. Eastern um, at times. Should we rotate that? We also want to flatten the hierarchy. Make sure every team member has a chance to provide input and gets heard. It can be harder to do this on a distributed team, but leaders have to instill norms during virtual meetings that reduce the chances that any one person or group dominates the conversation. So, for example, I'm usually quiet and I might put something in the chat if everybody's really talking a lot. And sometimes I'll make an attempt to say something and someone else is talking. Well, I'm just, it's my personality. I'm going to defer to them and let them talk. I'm not going to fight for that space. But I will put my input in. Um, and I did have someone say to me, well, you know, during those circumstances, that they would contact the facilitator um, just directly. So on Zoom, you can contact everyone or you can contact people specifically. And so she told me that that was an idea and that's something that worked for her in a group where she couldn't get an, a word in edgewise. And the facilitator would then notice and make space for her to speak. Um, so the hierarchy, you know, sometimes it may be you may have a team from around the world. So many virtual teams existed prior to the pandemic. And then many have had to be birthed because of our social distancing. And something that's encouraging is to hear companies like Facebook say, we're going to hire from different regions. And we may not pay as much uh, because definitely the cost of living in Silicon Valley is vastly different than here in Tennessee where I am. So I understand if Facebook were to hire me that they um, wouldn't have my salary as high as someone living in Silicon Valley. That's reasonable. And the reason I feel encouraged is because I'm a conservative woman from the South and please don't stereotype me. Uh, because that's what diversity of thought is and that's something that we're talking about here is we all have bias. When you hear the word conservative, there's a stereotype. Um, and in some ways, maybe I fit the stereotypes. In many ways, I don't. I am an individual who thinks for herself and when I use that word, um, I use it towards specific belief systems that I have spiritually, meaning I live close to my faith. And I am going to say that when Martin Seligman studied conservative Christians and Orthodox Jews, meaning those of us of those faith um, choices where we believe in God, that we live close to what we believe, what the research showed is that our group had higher levels of hope and optimism. And I so appreciate a psychologist, a scientist, that has not verbalized any kind of belief system um, to actually acknowledge those of us um, and not to stereotype us. And so um, definitely I'm encouraged because as a conservative woman from the South, to bring a unique perspective, a unique skill set uh, 
to bring it to an organization that mainly um, in the past they have had their workers in Silicon Valley. It's definitely different culturally there. And so I think it's just a plus for an organization to open things up and include people not only from different parts of the country in the U.S., also from different parts of the world. What happens is I know if I was the only one from Tennessee and I don't really have a tech background and I'm part of a team, that um, definitely the hierarchy would be felt there. And flattening the hierarchy is really important because I'm not really in the know with the culture of Silicon Valley. I'm in the know with the culture of Tennessee. Uh, and so if you watch some of our political um, campaigns, some of our commercials, it just shows what kind of culture we're living in. And so we have a federal Senate seat coming up for re-election, and the primary for that seat is in August. It is a specific party that's probably going to remain in um, dominance in Tennessee. And so there are several candidates, and one of the candidates, you can just tell our culture, because it literally shows him with a rifle and that he believes in gun rights. And I don't know if I've ever seen something just that clear um, campaigning to the residents of Tennessee. I don't think that would be highly regarded in a place like Silicon Valley because our cultures are so different. Um, also, with the different um, riots that were happening, they did not occur in our part of Tennessee. And so I was following social media, I was following Twitter and people's comments, and they were saying they better not come to our mall because we carry here in Tennessee and we'll take care of them. So it was just interesting to hear the local talk um, that many people do carry in this area. And so we were very civil with our protest. Uh, from the beginning. Um, and according to the citizens, there were reasons for that culturally. Um, so I know I went on a little rabbit trail um, and that's just part of culture um, and part of diversity. And I think um, there's that's also part of hierarchy. So in a team, we also have different roles. We have different positions. Um, and some titles. And so we want to make sure that people who don't have a leadership title have equal say. And so that's what flattening the hierarchy is about. We also want to make sure people who English is not their first language. And so they may be in another country and integral part of the team in a really unique way. We want to bring their voice in um, and make sure that they are heard equally. Keep our stereotypes in check. That's going to be one of the deeper level that we get to and um, identifying our bias and keeping our stereotypes in check. That is the main um, meat of how to have a very successful team because we're going to look at what the research has shown makes a healthy team and 
it's we need the diversity it's about the leadership and how we lead the team it's not about people being the same or the same culture so that's also encouraging as things are going virtually um, and so that is our segue into the deeper level we definitely want to be proactive about the service level and as well as the deep level Building shared identity. When team members don't view themselves as part of the team as a whole, it creates dysfunctional dynamics. There are a number of things leaders can do to eliminate us versus them thinking and instill a shared identity. Now, according to the research, uh, this is a leadership role to develop and foster this within the team. Make sure everyone understands the team's goal and continuously remind them of their progress and their importance to the organization as a whole. Have regular meetings and check-ins where everyone is included and heard, and their inputs and achievements are recognized as valuable. Have some virtual office tours and social activities um, and help the team get to know one another and appreciate the realities of remote work for each member. So, you know, there are people who are working and their children are running around because they're in a smaller apartment. And so here they are giving a webinar and their little two-year-old comes up to them. That's just reality and that's part of the team to understand that. Develop shared understanding. When team members have different sets of information or lack of information, misunderstandings can arise that impede their ability to work effectively. Deliberately work to ensure that everyone is fully sharing their knowledge and experience and to understand the constraints and challenges that everyone is facing, uh, both in their different work locations, non-work lives, um, make the expertise roles and progress of each team member clear to everyone and be sure to solicit diverse opinions and options very deliberately. Uh, okay, so there is a dynamic at times where someone might ask, well, what is that other person doing? I don't see them a lot or they don't contribute to what I'm doing. And so there may be that assumption that that team member doesn't contribute much. Uh, now, this information is from Wharton at Work, a nano tool that they have developed leading virtual teams overcoming key challenges. Um, and so, you know, what they're basing this on is research that leadership is key and leadership is all about teamwork as well. Not one leader can do it on their own. The initial research on teams um, happened by a pioneer in organizational psychology, Richard Hackman. And in his research, he found that teams need enabling conditions to thrive. He specifies team cohesion is not about our personalities, attitudes, or behavioral styles. So it's not about uh, whether we're um, a certain religion or a certain part of the country and thought system or a certain political party. His research found not an issue. 
What the research showed is it's all about leadership providing enabling conditions. Um, so the findings showed what's important to a team's success is having the structure and support and uh, the research by Martine Haas and Mark Mortensen has shown that we also need shared mindset. Um, and so shared mindset is what we talked about with the shared identity and understanding. Um, and part of it that is just so key to us, especially now um, as a generation who is going through a pandemic, we're also seeing systemic racism being addressed with the Black Lives Matters movement. And so one of the recommendations is keep stereotypes in check. Uh, there is bias training. We all have biases. What's important is that we recognize it for what it is. We're honest with ourselves and that we do not act on it. Because when we act on bias, that is called discrimination. And so keeping the stereotypes in check. And within a team, and especially a virtual team, we wanna keep those subgroups from happening. So let's say I was the only Southerner um, and the other people were in Silicon Valley and the people in Silicon Valley just had more in common, so they were a subgroup and I felt left out. So it's really, you know, and maybe they did it because they stereotyped me. People in the South are this way. Or, oh, she's a Christian. Oh, she must believe this way. And so it's definitely important to bring that education in. Um, especially any inkling of it that we hear. I have sat on teams where I have heard stereotypes and I've heard the leadership enable the stereotypes. And so it's very difficult in that situation, especially if you are part of the group being stereotyped. And I have sat and experienced that. It's very uncomfortable in a professional environment. Um, so people ask me, what's my why? Why, you know, am I focused so much on organizational culture and on coaching for well-being? And there is a story that I have to tell that leads to my why. Um, and I've seen things work with leadership, and I've seen things go very wrong. And one strong point is keeping stereotypes in check. This is truly a leadership issue. The team will follow the leader. Stay focused on the goals. And so if there's conflict within team members, we don't want to focus on the conflict. We want to focus on the tasks to keep the work momentum moving forward because that's why we're together. Uh, and we want to offer support uh, but we definitely don't want to make that the issue because the um, main task is what is the goal of our work. Um, we definitely want to have inclusive talks um, and 
celebrate the successes together. So going back to that initial example that we had, the consultant working with CEOs that he flat out told me, he said they're missing the mark because they're not recognizing the team. And he said most are not recognizing the team. Um, and his recommendation was, how do you reward the whole team? And that was a key issue, something that they worked on. Every challenge can be counteracted with intentional, proactive goals. Healthy organizational culture begins with leaders who are in tune with their own biases and needed areas of growth. We all have areas of growth, and it's really nice to hear Brene Brown talk about the power of vulnerability. We saw that in Marriott's CEO addressing the pandemic. So if you haven't watched how he addressed uh, the team members of his company with the pandemic, that is worth watching how he addressed and showed vulnerability. Um, and, you know, many people didn't know that he had cancer, that he was undergoing treatment. He didn't try to hide it. Uh, he came out just the way he looked. Uh, many people had not seen him without hair, and that happened during the talk of furloughing employees and shutting down hotels um, as a response to this crisis. And he received a lot of strength and um, respect from not only his employees, but also leaders. I've heard a lot of leaders bring that example um, to the forefront and so when we show vulnerability in areas where we need to grow or areas that we're struggling or shared um, just that we're also struggling, then people feel more comfortable around us and they actually see it as a positive. Uh, and many leaders don't realize that because they don't want to show any weaknesses. But you know, we all have areas to grow in. And when we are able to acknowledge that, then it really helps when we're talking to a team member about an area that needs to change and grow. Some of the most effective leaders and coaches that I've been coached by have done this in their own lives. They'll, they'll just tell their story. They'll talk about what they struggle with and that the struggle is real and the struggle is continual. And that's just part of being human, especially when we're in crisis. So if you really want to lead your team effectively, um, be vulnerable, keep the stereotypes in check, let everyone make sure that they have a voice, uh, celebrate success together, uh, share the challenges, and uh, of being in a virtual space, uh, support one another. Um, and I love how now we use different platforms for communication. And for me, it's been a learning curve. It just takes a lot of energy to learn something new. However, I can see the benefit of just communication and accountability 
through these digital platforms of communication that companies are using. There's a lot of great tools. There's a lot of great tools on checking in with happiness at work and checking in with the team on the values and keeping the values of the organization in the forefront. So through this virtual time, I've been pushed to use some of these apps and I've seen how beneficial they are and um, the capacity of what these apps can do for an organization. So my eyes have been open to a lot and I'm continually learning about this. Um, so we definitely want to lead our team to understand their own biases, keeping it in check, fostering a shared mindset of collaboration. So some of the research today, it has come from the nano tool from Wharton. Um, and all you have to do is Google leading virtual teams overcoming key challenges, nano tool. Um, there is an app with the Wharton nano tools. These are about 15 minutes. They are fantastic, doing one every day. Um, and just to set the day is very effective. And there are some really great key points in here for engagement, productivity, and satisfaction of virtual teams uh, because we all face roadblocks. And it's okay, we can face them together and learn from this. Um, and also the other article, um, the Harvard Business Review, The Secrets of Great Teamwork by Martin Haas and Mark Mortensen. Um, also, we cited the book by Patrick Lencioni, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, that's a book written in 2002. Um, so I thank you very much. And I would love to hear from you on how it's going with your virtual team and what challenges you are seeing, um, especially with the sub-level, the deeper level dynamics. And um, we can learn from each other on what is working and what is continuing to be a challenge. Thank you. Hello, my name is Alexia Georgiou. I'm a coach and consultant. I innovate and create with empathetic, agile methodologies. My website is theresilientpathway.com. Contact me, alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com. We have special pandemic coaching packages available. We're also providing consultation services with development and training on Zoom. I look forward to hearing from you. America was made from hard work and pride in a job well done. Since 2013, Walmart has been committed to creating jobs by buying $250 billion in products made, grown, and assembled right here in the United States. At Walmart, we know that our communities are stronger when people have the opportunity to work. That's why we celebrate America's entrepreneurial spirit through the products we sell. 
Learn more about our commitment to U.S. manufacturing at walmart.com slash America. When you get a flu shot, you're protecting more than just yourself. You're protecting your family, your community, and frontline healthcare workers. It's possible to get the flu and COVID-19 at the same time, so it's more important than ever to take steps to protect ourselves and the people around us. By getting a flu shot, you greatly reduce your chance of catching the flu and spreading it to others. It's just a little shot. But it makes a big difference. To all of us. The flu shot is available now at Penn Medicine Lancaster General Health.